The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered. Gang, welcome to the first ever On The Mark brand expansion. You are now listening to the inaugural episode of the Las Vegas Raiders show. We're thrilled to be doing this, giving inside information on the Raiders franchise, the state of the Raiders, from the field to the coaching staff, player personnel, business aspect of the team we use the word las vegas in front of the raiders because we have to get used to this gang moving forward the fans have to get used to this if you're a real true raiders fan and don't just support them because of the city they play in although it might give you a little nudge it shouldn't turn you off completely to this to the team especially at the point they're at now this happens in sports. People in Oakland are used to this. They left for L.A. before. The Warriors went from Philadelphia to San Francisco to Oakland. The Athletics went from Philadelphia to Kansas City to Oakland. So Oakland's been on the receiving end of two great franchises. This happens in sports. This happens in business. It is what it is. If you're a Raiders fan, it doesn't matter where they play. You cheer for that shield on the helmet. And that's pretty much all I have to say regarding that. And that's all I have to say about that. I'm very, very excited about where this roster's at, how this organization's being run, and what Jack Del Rio is doing with this team. 2017 is a season we have been waiting for for a long time. We didn't know we were walking into a 12-4 and season last year. We were going in with expectations of just another step forward for Derek Carr and the rest of the team, and boy, did we get it. And then we got kicked in the nuts on Christmas Eve, and the season did not finish the way we had anticipated. With that being said, another seemingly strong Reggie McKenzie draft and free agent period now has the Raiders in position to compete for the Super Bowl and get to Minnesota this year and potentially win it. It's not out of the question. We've seen the money pouring in out of Las Vegas. The Raiders are the number one team people are placing their money on to win this Super Bowl a lot of bang for your buck there and when you have a franchise guy like Derek Carr with playmakers all around him on both sides of the ball and competent coaching the window stays open to win a Super Bowl it's that simple what we're going to do on the inaugural episode of the Las Vegas Raiders show I'm going to run down this roster for you and I'm going to give you my early projection for the 53-man roster. Frankly, I don't see it changing too much even with the three games remaining. I have my producer with me, 
Benny Spielberg, who is in tune with this entire league, in tune with the Raiders especially, uh, and he's going to be helping me through this and co-hosting along with me. Benny, I know you're excited about this Raiders team. I know you already have money on this Raiders team. Absolutely. I couldn't be any more excited about this Raiders team, Marky. This is a team poised to make that extra step and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I thought they had Super Bowl written all over them last year. That's why I had money on them this time last year to win the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Carr going down, not only do they get to the Super Bowl, I think, but I think Derek Carr wins his first MVP. And I think this season, he does win that MVP. Totally agree. He was an unreal candidate for MVP. He had an unreal year. And as soon as he got hurt, the team could not rally. He is their leader on and off the field. Um, They could not rally. They faltered terribly in Denver and terribly in Houston. I put that on two things. Number one, I put that on Bill Musgrave. And number two, the unexpected for me, lackluster performance of Matt McGloin. I thought if Matt McGloin did what he did in previous starts out in Denver and in Houston, they lend themselves a possibility to win the game. The possibility of playing a tighter game. Uh, It just didn't happen. McGloin was terrible in Denver. Uh, Connor Cook was in over his head in Houston against a very, very good Texans defense. And Bill Musgrave is not that good schematically to get him through that. Uh, their, Their team wasn't really even built for them to get through that. They were an offensive team Uh, The defense had its concerns and a lot of lackluster moments, although I'm higher on the defense than most people are. Well, it was a very young team last year, and when you're in that situation where you're riding high, you have a possible MVP candidate, you're you're in a driver's seat for your whole season, late into the season, and then you lose your leader, your quarterback, your MVP. Sure. Uh, you have a young team. You're just going to fall apart. You lose that momentum. You lose that motivation. Bill Musgrave deserved to be fired simply for the fact of having Derek Carr in that Colts game blowout in the shotgun. Have them have Derek Carr either on the bench or under center handing the ball off. It's a route. The game is over. The Colts had quit. It's get ready for Denver time at that point. Yeah, it was a horrible decision, and it, it he's deserving to lose his job for that. Yeah, and then his um, hindrances, his lack of ability to put together a masterpiece of a game plan against top-tier opponents, top-tier defenses, came to the limelight in Denver and in Houston. Uh, sayonara, Bill Musgrave. A lot of teams were hot after Downing. I am huge on Downing. He's a Good friend to Derek Carr's. They have great chemistry. He's got the enthusiasm. He's innovative, ambitious. He's the right guy for this job. It's just like Belichick, always giving younger guys coordinator positions, whether it's McDaniels, Mangini, um, so on and so forth, a young Rob Ryan, he, uh, Matt Patricia. You know, the list goes on. So I think that's Del Rio maybe feeding off of that Belichick theory a little bit. Absolutely, and you got to trust your quarterback when you have a Derek Carr. Exactly. Derek Carr is leading that offense. No matter who the coordinator is, that's Derek Carr's offense. Right. So you just want to put a guy with them 
that he vibes with, that he gets, that yes. mentally they connect with, yes. and positive vibes are flowing back and forth because exactly. that's all you need with a guy like Derek Carr. Right. And Todd Downing is going to give him more privilege on the field to change plays pre-snap, other types of authority that Musgrave did not give him. And, you know, I'm not going to kill Musgrave for that because Derek Carr was still young. Now Derek Carr is going into, what, his fourth season, more mature, understands the game, the league, the playbook more. It's going to be a very exciting year, gang. I see this Raiders team winning the division. I see them winning the division at 11-5. and I do not see the Chiefs folding. I see the Chiefs having another good regular season. And I think the Chargers are a dumpster fire. And I think the Broncos are in trouble. But we're not we're not going to concern ourselves with them right now. No, but uh, just real quick, the division's for the taking right now. The yes. Broncos are in a weak point. Yes. The Chargers are aging. Yes. And are aging in some just too young in other spots. Right. An incompetent head coach and who the doesn't Chiefs, intimidate. The Chiefs cannot push the ball downfield. Right. You're lucky if a Tyreek Hill blows one on the sidelines and blows past you. But they're not going to go over the top on you like these Raiders are. The time is now for these Raiders. Yeah. And they have to establish that. And Jack Del Rio is adamant about establishing that. We all remember how pissed off Del Rio was uh, the post-game handshake with Andy Reid after that Thursday night game in KC where the Raiders lost. But I believe shut the Chiefs out in the second half. The Raiders won the second half 10-0, I believe. You know, that doesn't matter. you got to win the game. Yeah, I lost money on them that night. Yeah, that that's tough, man. Short week, frigid game in KC. Yeah, that I was still cl- liked them, though. Yeah, I hear you. I kind of did, too. But Carr, I believe, had the finger issue at that point, yes. and it was freezing. So I had my concerns. I know how good these Andy Reid regular season teams are. Before we hit break real quick, the Raiders-Titans will be the 1 o'clock CBS nationally televised game with Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. That's kind of cool, kind of interesting, a lot of buzz around this team. I don't remember the last time the Raiders were the 1 o'clock nationally televised week one game. I mean, they should be nationally oh, televised. Oh, yeah, because the, the Titans gang are no slouch uh, they're of the tough. team. They're up they and coming. Tough. Our friend Peter King had them power ranked fourth in the league at one point. I almost like that the Raiders have them week one. you got a lot of time to prepare yeah. for that Titans team. Yeah. The Raiders have gone out there now, I believe, three years in a row. Uh, at the at the least two. They're 2-0 and out there the last two years. Both games very close. I like that the Titans are getting this preseason hype uh, because a lot of times when we see these young teams get that preseason hype too soon, they falter. So I could kind of see that happening. This game's been a pick'em for months now, and it's still a pick'em. So yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. Benny, get us the break, and as soon as we get back, gang, we're going to give this 53-man roster prediction some uh, surprises in here for you. We're going to bring you Levante David. Card throws. Catch Seth Roberts. Breaks the tackle. He's made. Oh. Ten. All right, Raider Nation, with this projection, I'm going to start at the quarterback position. And, gang, what I did with this projection was 
I put myself into the mind of Del Rio, the mind of McKenzie, even downing a little bit. I believe that Ken Norton Jr. is on the hot seat. If this defense underperforms, don't be surprised to see him stripped of his play calling or fired. And then either Jack Del Rio or John Pagano will assume defensive play calling duties. I'm a big Pagano guy. Obviously love Del Rio. They might want to get a little more hands-on with this. We're already seeing the communication upgrades in the secondary through the addition of Pagano. That's only going to increase. Now, with the offense, starting at the quarterback position, we have Derek Carr, clearly, as our starting quarterback. I'm going to go with the Raiders only carrying two quarterbacks for right now. This could change by the end of this projection. I'm going to go with Derek Carr and Connor Cook. The Raiders carried just Derek Carr and McGloin two seasons ago, so I know Del Rio is not opposed to doing this. I completely understand the EJ Manuel Todd Downing Buffalo connection, and I know Manuel's looked pretty good in training camp, and Connor Cook has looked shaky at times. Just let these games shake out. Let these games play out. That'll solve that scenario. Running back position. You have Marshawn. Then you have DeAndre Washington, who Roto World keeps reporting is seeing all the second team snaps. I love DeAndre Washington. I'm seeing other players, though, namely Jalen Richard, getting second team snaps as well. Roto World is overselling that because of their um, their pull in the fantasy football world. So Marshawn Lynch, DeAndre Washington, and Jalen Richard will make the team. We all know that. Rookie running back, Mitch Trubisky's guy, same backfield, Elijah Hood, had some injuries in training camp similar to Jalen Richard last year. They like the head on this kid's shoulders. They like his physical abilities. I think Elijah Hood's going to make this team. Because don't forget, folks, Marshawn Lynch is a one- to two-year guy, tops. I think two, but you never know. And if he got hurt this year, coming out of retirement, they need a guy who's going to get it up in there. Short yardage, just trying to control the clock. Elijah Hood can get it up in there. Marshawn Lynch was also Elijah Hood's idol growing up and who Elijah Hood has said he has modeled his game after, or at least attempted to. So I have him carrying four running backs. Plus, Jamiz Olawale who I uh, am a big fan of. He can run it. He can catch it. They use him in gimmicky kind of ways. He will also make the team. We'll jump to the perimeter now, to the edge. Wide receiver. Amari Cooper and Crabtree clearly are your one and two. Very formidable one-two punch there. Then you have Seth Roberts, who frustrated me at times with his drops last year, as did Crabtree and Cooper. But we can't forget, like Cooper, Seth Roberts is also a young player, and I see him overcoming a lot of those drops. Tim Brown had a drop issue early in his career. T.O. still gets talked about for his drop issues. It's not an uncommon thing, guys. It's not an uncommon thing. Uh, Good receivers, great receivers will still drop balls from time to time. Not everybody's Chris Carter. 
not everybody's cherry rice. Um, so we have Cooper, Crabtree, and Roberts. A lot of people love Mickens because he reminds them of a Santana Moss, maybe. Those little guys who can return punts, return kicks, fast out of the slot. He's on the bubble in a major way. He played well in Arizona in the first preseason game, but that fumble on the punt, where actually it was a kickoff, will not sit well with Jack. Jaden Mickens will not make this team. Isaac Whitney, Keon Hatcher, and Ishmael Zamora will also not make the team. I kind of like Keon Hatcher as a practice squad candidate. Johnny Holton, who has made massive strides in route running and ability to catch the ball, will be the team's fifth receiver. And Cordell Patterson, the free agent acquisition, will be the fourth receiver and the kick returner. I don't see any way they carry six receivers, but if they did, the sixth receiver would be practice squatter from last year, K.J. Brent, who's made a lot of tough catches in training camp. He would be the sixth receiver. I see him being a tough cut, though. I think he has a better chance of being the sixth receiver, though, than Jaden Mickens. Tight end. A lot of people think the Raiders are going to carry four tight ends. I do not. They have the free agent acquisition in Jared Cook where there was money put towards. Lee Smith renegotiated his contract, and Jack Del Rio and Mike Tice absolutely love Lee Smith. He's an offensive lineman who can run a little bit and catch a little bit. He's a hell of a blocker and a hell of a locker room guy, and their offense totally changed last year when Lee Smith went down. They went from more of a running, hard-nosed style to opening it up more and letting Derek Carr air it out more. I'm a big Clive Walford guy. I think he needs a little more time, but he's had a good training camp. He's had some very good regular season moments. Uh, the ATV incident last year was his setback. I anticipate him and Jared Cook being a major part of the Raiders passing game. It's not that I anticipate it. It's that I know they will be. That's just another reason why they will not carry six receivers because of how much they can use Cook and Walford in the passing game and how much they can use Rashard and Washington in the passing game. Not to mention Marshawn Lynch is a phenom on screen passes and whatnot, so we'll see some of that too. Gabe Holmes is a nice, nice player, and I think he could stick to a, a lesser roster. A lot of people like Gabe Holmes. A lot of people have him making the team. I don't see it happening. I do not see it happening. Undrafted rookie free agent from Oregon, Farrow Brown, because of his receiving capabilities and athletic ability, is a strong practice squad candidate. Now to the offensive line, where we wait out Donald Penn's holdout. So we're not even going to think about Donald Penn. We have Marshall Newhouse at left tackle at the moment. Rookie offensive tackle, Jylon Ware, who, uh, you know, I think he isn't bulky enough yet. He had some concu a concussion in training camp this year. I think he's another prime practice squad candidate. So we have Marshall Newhouse as the left tackle. Kalechio Semele as the left guard. I anticipate Denver Kirkland now being put on injured reserve after the ankle injury 
in Arizona. He'll be on injured reserve because it'll open up a spot for Colecio Semele's cousin, Oni Omoilie, who can play center and guard and was not going to make the team. He was going to be another tough cut because they like Oni. He was not going to make the team barring an injury, and the injury happened. So the starting center will be Rodney Hudson, and we'll have Feliciano, who plays really all over the offensive line, and Amoylie. Del Rio talked up Ian Silberman, who played all four quarters in Arizona at center and guard and whatnot, but when we see players like that playing all four quarters, it means they're just trying to use him up so nobody else gets hurt. They know he's not going to make the team, but they're doing him the favor of putting something on film that another team may like. Silberman does not have a spot on this top-notch offensive line. Right guard, Gabe Jackson, road grader, huge contract extension. Right tackle, Vidal Alexander, who they really like, and fourth-round pick from Florida, David Sharp, who they also really like. They'll both make the team. Defense. I really like what the Raiders have going on at safety as far as youth. I think they have some playmakers back there. I think the Raiders in general are an underrated defensive unit. They hold teams to field goals in the red zone. They get turnovers. Sixth in the league last year. And Khalil Mack, being the player he is, closes out games. We saw him close out multiple games last year. It's it's only going to get better. Getting Mario Edwards back, I am just very, very low-key, low-key high on the defense. I don't go around bragging about it because we want to see it first. I'm still nervous about Ken Norton's scheme. I think John Pagano or Del Rio would be more suited to game plan this thing and call these plays. So anyway, on the defensive line, Mario Edwards back. Absolute phenom his rookie season as far as one rookie of the week, defensive rookie of the week, making plays all over the field, interior pressure, lining him up inside, outside. Injury last year set him back between the neck and the hip. I worry about guys who outgrow their genetics. Mario Edwards' father was a defensive back for the Cowboys and maybe one other team. So it's almost like he outgrew his genetics. He's a massive, massive, powerful man. If he can stay healthy, good Lord, what that does for this defense. So at defensive end, I have Mario Edwards and Danico Autry, who's a scrappy, really nice rotational guy. Last year, he played with one hand. He had um, the wrist all casted up last year. It's hard to play with one hand, especially if you're not... uh, a JPP. You're already not a top-tier guy. You're a rotational, scrappy, effective guy. Then you take a hand away from that guy. Well, JPP's literally playing without a second hand. Well, yeah, yeah, right, of course, of course. So Danico's at full strength, and he looked good, has looked good in camp and in the early preseason. I also know that they really like James Caltown Kowser. A lot of football savvy there, and a lot of... Um, a lot of pass rush moves. He he beats the tackles. He gets to the quarterback. We saw it last year. He didn't get a ton of snaps, but that's only going to increase. He's a part of that rotation. He's His ceiling is like a Brooks Reed kind of guy. I like Kowser a lot. And then, of course, you have Khalil Mack. You don't worry about eating up 
roster spots with a Khalil Mack and a Bruce Irvin because they're linebackers and defensive ends. The Raiders play 3-4 and 4-3. They'll play with two down linemen. They're standing up, they're hands down, uh, they're dropping into coverage. So you have to love the versatility of a Kowser, a Mack, and an Irvin who can st- uh, have hand down or be stood up. You gotta love the versatility of an Edwards and an Autry who can play inside and outside. At defensive tackle, you got Ed- Eddie Vanderdoes out of UCLA, who has been one of the talks of training camp. They really love him. He's going to start. Jihad Ward last year, second round pick, played in 15 or 16 games. Might it started pretty much all of them. He got banged up late. Uh, he was relatively ineffective last year, 16 tackles and no sacks, but he was in the mix. He wasn't a huge liability, uh, but he didn't put it all together. This might be a make-or-break year for Jihad Ward, the Philadelphia product. Uh, went to Illinois, of course. But he will make the team. They're going to give him a shot just for lack of depth and being a second-round pick last year. Then you have your nose tackle, Justin Ellis, who overwhelmed a little bit last year. But you need your your big piece of meat in there. They don't have that round, true nose tackle. Um, Latham, Darius Latham, who made the team last year, and Trayvon Hester. Those two are battling out for that final roster spot on that line. It's all going to come down to preseason performance. Uh, I like Latham. There's been a lot of talk about Hester. Hester had a sack in the opening preseason game. We'll see. Time will tell. For now, I'm going to go with the uh, incumbent, Darius Latham, and I'm going to say Trayvon Hester to the practice squad. That can change. Linebacker. Markel Lee in the middle, rookie from Wake Forest. Looked like a liability early, but um, he's got a high IQ. He's young. He doesn't have the mileage on him like when they brought in a Curtis Lofton. So he's going to be able to help them plug the run some. He looks like a liability in coverage, and we don't know the status of Ben Heaney. Ben Heaney can fly around. He was unimpressive for me last year, but I like his coverage ability. I like how he sticks his nose in there. So as of now, we have Markel Lee as the starting middle linebacker. At weak side linebacker, free agent acquisition, Jelani Jenkins will not make this team. Nicholas Morrow, they're giving him more looks in camp. Uh, I think it's too little, too late. Nicholas Morrow will not make this team. Uh, Second-year player, Corey James, has a lockdown on the weak side linebacker spot. Don't be surprised if they do some, some things schematically where he's not even on the field that much. Uh, but Corey James will be the lone weak side linebacker to make the team. Strong side linebacker, Bruce Irvin, of course. Shalik Calhoun, third round pick from last year, who put on massive weight this offseason and looks more powerful. He can get after the quarterback, but he's athletic enough to drop in the coverage. It's nice to have a guy like that in the rotation. Not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything along those lines, but you need Shalik Calhoun kind of guys on the defense. Latroy Lewis, had two sacks in the first preseason game, and impressive sacks at that. He's battling it out with I.K. and Kampali, formerly known for breaking Geno Smith's jaw, but I like him. Rex Ryan liked him. He can play 3-4, 4-3. He gets after it. 
So that roster spot is between Latroy and Encompali. They won't carry both of them. It's one or the other. They brought in Encompali late in the training camp. I'm thinking it gave Latroy Lewis the kick in the ass to turn it up and get after the quarterback in uh, Arizona like he did. Let's see if he can maintain it. Let's see if he can maintain it. Cornerbacks. Gary Conley has not practiced all training camp. Shin splints, other rumored leg injuries. We don't know his status. Obviously, he'll be on the opening day roster, though. Jack Del Rio says he's back soon. So starting at cornerback, David Amerson. At the other cornerback position, I know TJ Carey's been there most of camp, but Sean Smith will reclaim that. Talks today, or Sean Smith is bouncing back a little bit, sticking Crabtree a little tighter in practice, making some plays. I truly believe Smith will bounce back. TJ Carey will be the nickel corner, and Gary Conley will be the fourth corner. Now, they'll carry five. Dexter McDonald was the fourth highest graded out corner last week, pro football focus, first week of the preseason. They've had, they like Dexter. They drafted him. He can contribute a little bit on special teams. I think McDonald beats out Durden and Antonio Hamilton. So Dexter McDonald will be the fifth corner. Now, the safety position. Really, really happy with what they're doing back here. I love Carl Joseph. He laid David Johnson out in that first preseason game, and Bruce Arians got David Johnson out of the game right away. So we got Carl Joseph back there, starting with the veteran, the savvy. Last year made the Pro Bowl with five interceptions, Reggie Nelson. Um, Reggie's getting long in the tooth, but as we all know as Raiders fans, long in the tooth at safety isn't the worst thing. Rod Woodson, we go to a Super Bowl with him. Charles Woodson, you know. So we're okay with that. We're, we've seen that play out. My man, Seawood. Yep, everybody loves Seawood. How can you not? Now, second-round pick, Obi Melanfani. Obviously, you love his size and speed. Unreal. The pick felt to me like a little bit too much of an Al Davis pick. Um, but I still like it because they desperately need a guy who can cover Kelsey who can cover the, the kid out in San Diego, Hunter Henry, and uh, Antonio Gates. Um, they need that kind of guy. They're using Sean Smith in that role right now because Melanfonwu has not been on the field either with Conley. Um, Melanfonwu reports out training camp today, practicing more, turning it up more, but not there yet. Still, he'll clearly make the team, and he's not an injured reserve candidate. So you got Joseph, Nelson, that's three safeties. Another rookie this year who played phenomenally out in Arizona, all over around the ball, and he did the same thing in college, Shalom Luani. He, uh, he's going to make this team via special teams and via injury concerns uh, in the defensive backfield. Three names now. Big school guys. Ricky Jefferson, LSU. Anthony Chaffee, Rutgers and Marcus McWilson. These guys are all practice squad candidates who got a ton of time in the first preseason game. I could honestly see Anthony Chaffee being picked up by the Patriots if the Raiders cut him and being a uh, special teamer right off the bat. 
If not, he's a major practice squad candidate for the Raiders. Keith McGill at safety is a big question mark. I don't like Keith McGill on defense. I think he's a liability in coverage, and I don't think he helps in the run. We've seen him get run over multiple times. He has not practiced all of training camp. If it was up to me, I would cut him. I know they really like him on special teams, and they're very concerned about special teams with losing of uh, Bates and Trawick and uh, Andre Holmes. So they're weary of that. But if McWilson, Jefferson, Chaffee, or Luani, and Luani, one or the other, and or, or, prove they can contribute on special teams, I see McGill gone and either Chaffee, McWilson, or Jefferson actually making this team. But for sake of argument, right now it's Joseph, Melanfonwu, Luani, and Nelson. So then we go back to the offensive board, guys. We're at a roster of 45. We go back to the offensive board. EJ Manuel makes the team. He's had a nice training camp. He's been efficient. He's expanded his game. He goes more vertical. He doesn't check down as much. Manuel makes the team. Namely because Connor Cook has not been lights out. Sebastian Janikowski is getting very long in the tooth. To me, he looks out of shape. I know they like Giorgio Tavecchio. They've brought him back damn near four consecutive training camps. He never misses a kick, and he's younger, more youthful than a Janikowski, and more in shape than Janikowski. I don't know what the cap hit is like. I don't know any of that info. I don't feel like looking that up. That's not what this particular segment's about. I would carry Tavecchio. I would, believe it or not, move on from Janikowski. And a lot of you people say, wow, that is insane. I I just would do it. I don't like Janikowski's... Um, I'm just always on edge with him. I don't trust him. I don't trust him to kick the game winner. I, I just don't. Um, call me crazy. I don't know if Janikowski's ever even had an onside kick recovered in his career. And when you get into these big games, sometimes you need the miracle onside kick. We've seen the Packers get it. We've seen the Saints get it. You know, there's been a lot of huge onside kick recoveries that propel teams. John Kondo will be the long snapper. Marquette King will be the punter. They didn't even bring in competition for Marquette this year, which I found interesting. Obviously a top-tier talent, but a little bit of a head case, frankly. Can't have punters getting 15-yard penalties. Can't have punters fumbling snaps in huge, huge road games with the division on the line. Unacceptable bullshit. Um, so that puts the roster at 49 guys. And we have, we're carrying five corners. So what that tells me is that there is room on the roster for Trayvon Hester and Latham. I just don't know if they go that route. I think they go and Kampali and Latroy Lewis both make the team. And they carry an additional one of these safeties or K.J. Brent. For the sake of making a claim, I'm going to say they carry Anthony Chaffee. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, hasn't been talked about much. I thought he looked good in Arizona. I'm going to say Anthony Chaffee and, of course, the holdout, Donald Penn. We'll be back before camp is over. And there's your 53. Uh, subject to change. 
went out on a limb with a few little things. Like I said, I would go Tavecchio. I know they love Tavecchio, but I think they're going to go Jano. I mean, because he's a staple. He's a icon of the organization for whatever reason, because of longevity, first-round pick, um, was on the last Super Bowl team. He's Seabass, man. He's Seabass. You know, got to respect him. He's cool. He's funny. He's uh, an intriguing character. You need those kind of guys when you're going through a PR kind of stint that the, that the Raiders are going through. Well, that's why we're here, to improve the PR stint. Yes. On the journey to Las Vegas. Yes. Huge fans of the Las Vegas move. Would not have been a fan of the St. Louis move at all. No. Would not have been a fan of moving to London. Would not have been a fan of moving to Mexico City. or I, Mexico City hombres? Yeah, or San Antonio even. The Raiders are a West Coast team. Nevada is the Silver State. Now they're the Silver and Black State. Yes. And... Uh, Man, you, they rolled out the red carpet for Mark Davis and the NFL like no other has ever done before. They made them an offer they couldn't refuse. You know, Las Vegas was a town built by the mob. A ton of great entertainers, Sinatra, Dean Martin, Tom Jones, Cher. The list goes on and on and yeah, on. Man. So what cooler company to put our football team in with than that? And I enjoy that. I, I do, I, because it, it just does it for me, folks. I'm a diehard Raider fan. This Las Vegas move makes me like them even more. When I was younger, when I was boy, it was the L.A. Raiders. I loved them then. They moved back to Oakland. I still loved them. As you guys know, we stuck, at, stuck it out through the most dog shit years humanly possible. Seeing that beautiful uniform on the field, being disgraced in the media, the laughing stock of the league, getting their asses kicked by average teams. But guess what? Now the silver and black is back, baby. This is going to be a really good year. Let's see how training camp shakes out. Let's see how the preseason shakes out. We may get back to you prior to week one. Hopefully we will, Benny. And uh, we got the heartbeat of this Raiders team. We got the breakdown. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the inaugural episode of the Las Vegas Raiders show. Derek will take one more shotgun snap from Rodney Hudson. One more deal, and the Raiders will count it down. It's like New Year's Eve, and Dick Clark is here, coach. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. The Raiders are in the playoffs. Raider Nation, welcome back to part two of the inaugural Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Glad you're sticking with us. Got a lot more to talk about. Want to outline some things further for this show. And I want to catch you up on more of what I'm hearing and seeing out of this Raiders team right now. I can't emphasize this enough. We are coming to you live from the Bellagio Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. And the reason I have to emphasize it is because, boy, Benny, do I love Las Vegas. Ah, who doesn't love Vegas, baby? And when you talk about the Raiders and Las Vegas, you now put them in the same sentence as Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, organized crime. It's special, man. 
Yeah, they're going to be the new Rat Pack. They're the Rat Pack of the NFL now. Yeah, baby. So Raider Nation, I think you need to know a little more about who you're listening to. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself. Been going to bars since I was 10 years old just to watch the Raiders games. Drinking Cherry Cokes and Shirley Temples and eating wings at 10 years old with my father, occasionally my uncle, at the bar. Because back on the East Coast, there's far and few Raider games nationally televised. I was essentially raised wearing L.A. Raiders clothes. So many pictures as a kid and as a baby in L.A. Raiders gear. I come from a, a family that loves football, loves sports, loves baseball as well. Father was a diehard Raiders fan going back to the AFL days. Followed them as much as you could during that era. In fact, we had Raiders newspapers coming to our house until just a few years ago. You know, now we get all the information we need on our phones, social media, TV. And now, being in the sports radio industry business, I have my inside sources that I've developed over the years. And they're some of the best sources anyone could possibly have. Ex-players, ex-coaches, ex-front office guys, current players, current coaches, current front office guys from the Raiders and around the league, not to mention the collegiate level where we get a lot of inside info pre-draft and uh, frankly post-draft to learn more about you know who's in Raiders camp. But before I was able to gain these sources. I was hunkered down in bars all across the East Coast watching this team play. These two, three, four win teams, five win teams. Some of the worst professional sports teams you've ever seen. I might be going on one or two hours of sleep, but I sure made my way over to the bar that had direct TV wherever I was to see those losers play. And now the time is here where we have a franchise that you could be proud of again, that competes for championships again, and it's time to get rocking and rolling with this team. I'll never forget the Raiders-Patriots AFC Divisional Round Game. Having a family party, family over the house, we're eating good, People are excited, talking up the game. It starts snowing. We're out in the street, throwing the football around, all hyped up, rip-roaring, ready to go for that prime-time game. It was a great day. There was an awesome aura in our household that day. It was a fun night. The Raiders had kind of backed into the playoffs that year, amidst some John Gruden to Notre Dame rumors that were very strong that he did not adamantly deny in the media. And some of the veterans, namely Tim Brown, 
took exception to that. But that's okay. They beat the Jets the first round of the playoffs. They looked good doing it. And they go to Foxborough for the snow job game. Some call it the tuck rule game. I call it the fuck rule game. Uh, I've never been that upset after a professional sporting game in my entire life. I broke down in tears and put a hole in my living room wall. That was devastating beyond belief. But years later, I've developed a new theory around that game. And the reason the Raiders lost that game isn't because of the tuck rule, or as I like to call it, the fuck rule. They lost that game because they did not have a culture of discipline. They had multiple opportunities to still win the game after that happened. The culture of discipline was not there. Belichick had that going on with the Patriots. They prevailed. You need to be able to overcome the odds to win championships. You have to do it in the regular season. You have to do it in the playoffs. Sometimes you have to do it in the final minutes of the Super Bowl, as we just saw this past year. So that brought peace to me for that game. And now I can watch a replay of that game. I can listen to players dissect that game. I couldn't for years, for maybe over 10 years. I could not. Just recently, I've come to peace with that game. Now, transitioning back into training camp 2017, the projected 53-man Raiders roster. As I said in part one of this show, Shalom Luani and Anthony Chaffee are bona fide playmakers. We saw what they did against the Rams. We saw what Luani did in Arizona. On Twitter, when Vic Tafer and Scott Baer are talking about NFL protests and Jerry McDonald is giving a negative spin on everything the Raiders do, and Bill Williamson is talking about nonsense and protest blogs that he wants to push. I'm telling you about the guys on the roster. These guys did not mention a Chaffee or a Luani once before that Rams game, essentially. They may have mentioned Luani a little bit because he performed well in Arizona. They did not mention Anthony Chaffee at all. You would not have even known he was in training camp with the team. I mentioned him before any Raiders insider, any Raiders beat writer. What did he do? He forced a fumble that could have ended the game and a Raiders win. He knocked a guy out cold. The kid can play center field and he can play in the box. It is time to part ways. This is a bold talking point right here. And I like the player and I always have liked the player. It is time to part ways with pro bowler Reggie Nelson. His veteran leadership will not be missed because we've seen the ceiling of this secondary. We know what the ceiling is. It will not be missed. And I'm not saying I don't like him. And he took a pay cut. But 
it's time to move on. And you go with a youthful group at the safety position. You cut, can't tackle Keith McGill, and you IR Obi Melanfonwu because he has not practiced at all. I couldn't even believe he was dressed for the Rams game. He did not get in. And he's raw to begin with. I spoke with a former teammate of Obi Melanfonwu just two days ago. He said he felt like Melanfonwu was an overly emotional player who was very raw and needed more time to develop. I truly believe Luani and Chaffee are ready to contribute now on defense and special teams. And if you could find a way to keep a Nelson on board, then you do. If you IR Melanfonwu, you can probably keep Nelson, Chaffee, Luani, and Carl Joseph. But I cannot let one of those guys go in the risk of a Patriots, a Packers, a Steelers, even a Cowboys picking them up. Because I could see all those places landing spots for those guys. They can run, they can hit, they can immediately contribute on special teams where you're still making up for the loss of a Trawick and a Darren Bates. Now, in part one of this episode, I mentioned to you the hype around EJ Manuel's offseason performance. I mentioned his Todd Downing connection and relationship. And I mentioned his strong performance in the first preseason game. I then went in to say how Connor Cook's play would erase the critics, essentially, and he would take hold of that second quarterback job, second on the depth chart. All that we needed to see was the preseason play out. He threw a touchdown pass this week and looked very good against the Rams. He had a poor series in the end there, but we also know he's playing with guys who are probably not going to make the team. Most of those guys on the field with him that last series are not going to make the team. Regarding the wide receiver group, Johnny Holton looks like he's successfully holding off Mickens and K.J. Brent. K.J. Brent practices very well, but he seems to disappear in these preseason games. I'm at a point now where I totally give up on K.J. Brent. Keon Hatcher, undrafted free agent from Arkansas. I mentioned him early in the show, earlier in the show. He looks like a guy who's going to stick to at least the practice squad. He was Connor Cook's favorite target. He made some tough catches in traffic over the middle, and he looks like he runs some pretty precise routes. His numbers at Arkansas are strong. He's not a speedster. But it's nice to have those possession-reliable guys. You wonder if maybe they see him in the same light as they saw a Seth Roberts. Both guys kind of remind me of one another. Another guy I'm getting a lot of questions about, Duke cornerback Breon Borders. I mentioned that I'm a fan of that program, and I think Breon has done some nice things. He's not ready to contribute right away. He disappears in these preseason games. 
and frankly, he has no experience in the nickel. I'd rather move forward with Antonio Hamilton and Dexter McDonald. And I know for a fact the coaches like Hamilton. As you saw against the Rams, they were giving him looks on, you know, blitzing. They were seeing if he can execute that. Uh, He was in the mix, man. Antonio Hamilton also gets in the mix on special teams. You kind of like a scrappy DB like that. We're going to get a longer look at Latroy Lewis and I.K. and Kampali these next two games, and those two will sort each other out. I'm hearing the Raiders coaching staff is not exactly infatuated with Latroy Lewis, but they're very intrigued with weak side linebacker, small school guy, Nicholas Morrow. He looks like one of those tweeners when he's out there. But in this era of the NFL, it's nice to have a guy like that. He can cover a tight end if he needs to. The Raiders are very concerned about covering Hunter Henry, Kelsey, and these other teams' tight ends. I believe Luani, Chaffee, or Nick Morrow could all fill that role. I don't trust a Sean Smith or a Reggie Nelson or a Keith McGill to do that. We don't know how much longer we're even going to have Sean Smith for. Very frustrated now with the handling of Alden Smith's case. I think he should have been reinstated by now. You're not doing him any good as a human being by denying him his career. Let him get under the leadership of a Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, Jack Del Rio, even a Ken Norton Jr. or a John Pagano. He deserves to be around people. He deserves uh, one last chance in this league. He never did anything drastic. DUIs, of course, are bad. We don't condone drinking and driving. Nobody does. He was not caught up in a drug ring. He is not caught up in a murder trial. He was not caught up in beating a woman. He was not caught up in anything other than being an immature very immature, rich kid. There was also off-the-field issues with Colin Kaepernick and Alden Smith's girlfriend having an affair. And that's why the 49ers had to ship him out of town. The final preseason games will be very interesting, and they'll tell the tale. Right now, on my end, if I had to give you the four guys to focus on the most during these games, it's Shalom Luani, Anthony Chaffee, Nicholas Morrow, and a guy we have not mentioned because he has not practiced in training camp after some off-season surgery, Philadelphia native Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward might now have to play himself onto this roster. It wouldn't be the most insane thing for the Raiders to cut a second-round pick from the year prior who played basically every game with no sacks, and did not find himself around the ball too much. We see guy, we see organizations move on from second-round picks. They love Eddie Vanderdose. They like Latham. They like Hester. Jelly Ellis lost weight and looks very active. They also play Edwards and Autry inside. They don't have to have a Jihad Ward on this roster. He may have to play himself onto this roster. So we got to see what he does. 
Like I said, I would IR Mellon Fonwu. And I would carry two quarterbacks with Derek Carr and just Connor Cook. Hope this inside scoop has caught you up to date some, gang, on lower tier guys that we don't always hear of, but I know the real Raiders fans out there are tremendously intrigued by them. Raider Nation is a educated fan base, and we're going to continue to feed that. We're going to continue to get that message across. Doesn't matter where this team plays, we're, we're thirsty for a Super Bowl ring. It's been too damn long. 1983, this was a different world. That's a very long time ago for a proud franchise that's too long to go without a ring. I guarantee you, during this Derek Carr era, they will get us a ring. It's only a matter of time. It could be as soon as this year, but if not, I guarantee it will happen soon. So, for part two of the inaugural Las Vegas Raiders podcast, this was your host, Marky Mark, and my producer, Benny Spielberg. We will now be hitting that beautiful Bellagio sports book, and I hope it goes better than Lane Kiffin's Raider seasons. And I sure hope it goes better than Art Shell's 2-14 season. And I sure hope it goes better than Jamarcus Russell's career. Talk to you later, Raider Nation. Now, let me ask you something. With all the distractions that you have off the field, how are you able to keep focused on winning football games as you do and do throughout the years? When, when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby.